with the history of America and the different things that have happened, the racism, segregation, you can't just preach the gospel and, and expect people from different ethnic groups to come inside your church. So the gospel, um, it is preached, but you have to live it out intentionally. Hello, this is Adam Barr. Welcome to the Organic Outreach Podcast. Together, we're learning how to influence our world and share our faith naturally. We do this by providing resources, leading cohorts, and equipping leaders through conferences and intensives. At Organic Outreach International, we believe every Christian plays a part in fulfilling the Great Commission, and this podcast can help you do that. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to Pastor Derek Puckett. Derek is the pastor of Renewal Church of Chicago, a gospel-centered community that's alive in the heart of inner-city Chicago. Derek grew up near Chicago in Gary, Indiana. He went on to go to school at Indiana University, where he became involved with Campus Crusade Ministries. There, he helped launch uh, something called the Impact Movement that reached out to African-American students on campus. He used his creativity to help Campus Crusade reach out to African-American students. Then they moved on to Indianapolis to work with Campus Crusade and help develop a ministry in the inner city of Indianapolis where churches, college students, and high school students would work together. This ministry brought about needed community in the city while giving churches a natural way into the colleges and high schools in Indianapolis. As you're going to hear, Derek has had a chance to minister in some incredible places, including Memphis, Tennessee, where he earned an MDiv at Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary, where he was also a campus pastor at Fellowship Memphis Church. He has a passion for multi-ethnic church, as we'll talk about today, something that has to be on the heart of every leader in the church. Providentially, Derek and Aaron Bruckett, the pastors of Trader Point Christian Church in Indianapolis, became great friends. This relationship led Derek to partnering with a group called The Orchard Group, which is a church planting ministry. And the rest, as they say, is history. I'm excited to share Derek's story with you. I hope you enjoy it today. All right, I'm sitting here with uh, Pastor Derek Puckett, who's the lead pastor and church planter at Renewal Church in Chicago, Illinois. Derek, it's good to have you here, brother. Hey, it's good to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for making the time. I know you're busy, man. On the on the end of a of a of a couple day uh, seminar that we've been doing here, you've been doing some speaking, some teaching. How's it gone? It's been going great. It's it's been good to see just what's happening here at the Amplified Conference and just. How God is moving in the in the minds and hearts of people on this issue of evangelism and just simplifying the gospel. What does it actually mean? And so, got to teach on church planning and emphasis on discipleship and evangelism in the urban context today. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear it. Have a good crowd. Yeah, it was a, it was a decent crowd. It was it was, decent it, crowd. They gave me the slot right after lunch, so you know, people <laughs> were, like, everybody's falling asleep. Everybody's falling asleep. <laughs> so it, it was good though. I've good. been in that yeah, slot, yeah, man. Right. I know what that's all about. Yeah. No, that's cool, man. I'm glad. I'm glad you had a chance to to, to do that. Uh, it's fun for me. I'm, I'm back in my old stomping grounds. I used to live in Wheaton with my wife. And my okay. First, in our first ministry call together, but wow. No, I'm so glad we get a chance to sit down together. Uh, like I said, I know you've been busy and you're heading out after this. So I just want to take a little time. And as we got a chance to talk, I mean, the thing that stood out the best is that God's called you to be a pastor, man. Yeah, man. He's called you to be part of expanding the kingdom of God through church planting. And uh, you've had a chance to plant an awesome church, Renewal Church in, in Chicago, Illinois, a multi-ethnic church, which yeah. I, I can't wait to talk about about Renewal. But what I'd love for you to do is kind of, for those who aren't familiar with you, who aren't familiar with your ministry, would you just tell us a little bit about your story? How did you get into ministry? How, how did the Lord mold you, shape you? And how did he bring you to this place? 
Yeah, that's a good question and a unique story that really goes hand in hand with our church. So um, I grew up in Gary, Indiana, right outside of Chicago. And if you know anything about Gary, it's commonly called Scary Gary. It's not <laughs> much going on in Gary. People drive straight through Gary. Um, dilapidated city, about a 16% literacy rate at one point. It was a murder capital oh, world when goodness. I was growing up. And I say all that to say it was about 95% black and all that to say that it wasn't much around for me to get involved in, and whether it be the streets or academics or sports. So I fell in love with the city of Chicago because on a clear day, if you go to the beach in Gary, you can see the Chicago skyline. Yep. And uh, despite all the, the mess that is in Chicago, or it be the politics or murder rate or anything like that, I just got to see a vision of something bigger than my own dynamic, which was Chicago, the skyline. And so I fell in love with it as a little kid. Um, parents got a divorce, moved to Indianapolis when I was in high school and started going to a college prep high school. So I went from an all black context to a pretty much all white high school where I had to figure out how to navigate this whole minority majority understanding or dynamic. Wow. Where, you know, in, in Gary, even though it was I was a minority, I felt like majority because everybody did the same thing where yep. we know each other. But when I had to navigate this context, which was tough at the age of 14 or so. Culture uh, shock. Right? It's culture shock. It's culture shock, and you have to figure it out. And I was playing sports, so you, people gravitated to you, but you had to figure out, well, how do we meet in the middle? And I, I don't want to just, like, <laughs> you like me because I'm good at sports, but what, what, what do we have in common? And so we, we figured that out in high school, and um, I got saved when I was about, I was 18, um, dating a girl that was in high, high school ministry at the time, and... Um, but I didn't go to church growing up. Uh, you know, I dabbled in it. My wife, my mom would take me to church every now and then, but single mom. And so Sunday was her day off. Uh, but in high school, I started going on my own. And wow. just my mo- my grandmother. Because of the girl that you met. Yeah, well, it was my grandmother first. But okay. eventually she she ended up walking in front of me. Um, and she's my wife now. Her name's Kayla. <laughs> yeah, man. Praise See, the Lord, God, man. God sent the right one in front of me and, and he drew me to himself. Um, I don't I don't advise it for everyone. But, <laughs> but he Missionary used dating, yeah, man. Sometimes we need it. Yeah, sometimes it works. Sometimes it goes horribly wrong. Yes. But uh, she... She walked in front of me, introduced me to a guy who discipled me, poured into me, went to Indiana University and um, started a college ministry there. Went to play football, but ended up getting injured. And I uh, played, uh, got injured, went and started a college ministry there with the emphasis on reaching out to African-American students. But the big, Was it connected to any of the broader it was, ministries? It okay. was connected to Campus Crusade for okay. Christ. And, Which is uh, crew now, right? Crew now, yeah. yep. And so we... We didn't want to start just an African-American ministry, but when I went to the crusade meetings, I'd be one of four, be 400 white students and myself. And I love what was taught, but I'm saying there's got to be something on here, to, this campus yeah. for people that aren't white. So we started this ministry with the emphasis reaching out to African-American students, but in order to bridge the gap between the ministries. And by God's grace, some years later, I mean, over 10 years later, it's still continually going. Really? And, uh, yeah. Did you see Did you see God bridge some of those gaps? We did. We saw God doing something. So we had to reach the community first um, because it was, myself, I was an anomaly. I went to a high school where I had to figure out to navigate those lines. So when it came to the church, when I got saved, it was like, man, this is, it shouldn't just be a white church and a black church. We need to figure out how to pull it, pull these lines together or cross these lines with one another. And so that was a, uh, more of a DNA that was wired in me, but for the normal or natural person, whether it be black or white, the context for church was homo- homogenous. Yeah, and so you know, it's it's while we're on it. I mean, I I got to be honest with you. I I you I talked to 
most of the people in my world, yeah. and they're like, if they, they say, if, if, if we could do that, we want to do that. That's yeah, what yeah. we want to see happen. The thing that I think a lot of people feel is like, but how do you do that? Totally. And I think it's not just on one side. I think it's on both. I mean, if, yeah. I'm not that we're talking about size, but I think, I think anybody who comes from a normal, from their culture, you know, this is what's normal, right? Yeah. And then, but suddenly you come from someone from a different kind of culture and it's, it doesn't feel the same. So everything, everything's different. Everything's yeah, yeah. a little bit, yes. a couple degrees off, like responses, feelings, all that kind of stuff. So when you were doing this, if you don't mind, camp out on that just for a second. What mm-hmm. were some of the most, um, what some of the most significant barriers that you felt as you were seeking to build that ministry? That's a good question. Um, and I was just telling somebody about this, but I call it the multi-ethnic rub in terms of. Okay. And so what you are describing, you come from a dynamic, you come from a cultural aspect or you have a narrative of your life. That's your narrative. You've raised you were raised in that. That's what you've been reared in. That's what your family um, knows. That's what you know. And then you get to another culture and somebody else has that same thing on the other side. They have a narrative, they have a culture that they were raised in, they're reared in. And what we do unconsciously is that's, we believe that is norm, we, normal. We believe that is the right way. And when you bring a multi-ethnic church or you bring people together, that starts rubbing a bit. So yeah. it know. sounds like marriage yeah. is what it sounds yeah. like. Man. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's sort of like that. You know, married more than yeah. five years, they know about culture. Right. It's like, oh, it's going to be all happy, hunky dory. And, and and people come into our church, multi-ethnic, and they're like, oh, I love everything about it. I love that it's this is awesome. And I'm like, okay. It is awesome, but I want you to sit for three to six months, and I want you—I want to hear what you say in three to six months. Yes, because you're going to have a rub with somebody who didn't vote like you, doesn't eat like you, doesn't look like you, they don't walk like you, talk like you, or live like you. What do you do then? And so the gospel <laughs> calls us to be able to cross that line. You know, <laughs> that's amazing. So you did this—you did this ministry in college, and you got to see it firsthand. Yeah. Uh, God gave you a chance to earn your stripes, you know, kind of right there on the college campus. Yeah, and w- then where did he take you? After college, went on staff with crew for a couple of years and then just had this call to planning a church, which was, I had never met a black guy that planted a church. Um, and I started looking around and found out, found two guys that I knew, a guy named Dehati Lewis and another one named Eric, Eric Mason. And I just, what did they do? And so got involved with a program in Little Rock, which pushed me to go to a church in Memphis, never have been out of Indiana, so I go to Memphis, Tennessee, and I'm on staff at a church called Fellowship Memphis under the leadership of a guy named Brian LaRitz and John Bryson. Okay. So it was a big 2,000-person church, multi-ethnic, in Memphis, Tennessee, which is probably, at the time, one of the most racially segregated cities in america yeah, yeah. I, so, I have some friends in memphis at a, a big mega church that's yeah walked through some of this these same sort of things so yeah. rufus um oh yeah 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 yeah. rufus yeah yeah, yeah. amazing yeah, guy. yeah yeah anyway so you you went there and you were were you an intern or pastoral resident i was what a pastoral resident okay. and then i became a campus pastor within the first year started their third campus down there um wow yeah so i was there for three years and did my a seminary degree, got my master's of divinity, um, but went there with the just intention of getting the DNA. Yeah, and I say specifically the DNA because I went there to say I'm going to plant a multi-ethnic gospel-centered church in Chicago, but Chicago's different than Memphis. So the DNA sure. of how they did it, yes, but the culture is totally different. And so we we transitioned from there in 2013 and planted our church in 2014. Yeah. Well, you just you, uh, for for a lot of people, you just threw out a phrase that they can they can like define as, as a dictionary, probably, but but they might not know what you really mean. You said 
a multi-ethnic gospel-centered church. Yes, sir. Would you just take that phrase and unpack it for me yeah, and say what yeah. you what is it you're talking about? So multi-ethnic for most people would be um, kind of the eighty twenty rule in ter- in rule where it's eighty percent one ethnic group and twenty percent another. Uh, that that would kind of define a multi ethnic context in kind of a dictionary way. To me, I I think that's a little. It's not really multi ethnic. It's still yeah. predominantly one. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of like to say it's not a whole lot of salt with a little bit of pepper or, or vice versa. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. You can get a, like you get, that. It's a it's a nice shaker mixed up together. And uh, so. Commonly or historically, churches have always been homogenous. You know, the black church, you got the white church, you got the Hispanic church, Asian church. And it's still like that in a lot of ways. Even in a lot of white churches, you had it in the early early 1900s. You had the Dutch church, the Italian church, the Greek church. Yeah. You got all of that. So we're tribal, aren't we? (laughs) Yeah, man. So so multi-ethnic for us is, is multiple layers for it because for many people, multi-ethnic can mean one thing. For me, it's, it's not just, the 80 20 rule but it's also multicultural too and so yeah. in chicago you you bring you may bring you just said it there may be three white people but they come from from three different types of backgrounds or yeah. three different cultures and so professional yeah. someone who's who's you know very different yeah, socio across all those different yeah. lines different it's a lot dynamics. lines across so so that's what makes it unique um, so at our church and well in chicago I'll say this is probably around 30% 30 30 30 white Hispanic, white, uh, black, and then you have about 10% other yep. Asian. And so we looked at that dynamic and said, okay, if we're going to be a church for the city, we want to be a church that's made up of all these different types of people. That's ambitious, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was ambitious. And it's hard, too. So it's even harder. Most of those multi-ethnic churches, they say about 2% fit that category of 80-20. But if it's even less than that that are led by an ethnic guy. So... So we we're taking on a tall task. Wow. Yeah. So that's multi-ethnic. What you know, it's gospel-centered. I mean, I I don't want to just walk, yeah. I don't want to brush over that because when you assume the gospel, you lose the gospel. What Go are you ahead. talking about when you say gospel-centered? I like how you just said that because gospel. When I say the gospel, um, a lot of people say, well, if I just preach the word, then people are going to come and it's going to be multi-ethnic. It doesn't work like that with okay. the history of America. And the different things that have happened, the racism, segregation, uh, slavery, all of this has happened. You can't just preach the gospel and, and expect people from different ethnic groups to come inside your church. So the gospel, um, it is preached, but you have to live it out intentionally. And yes. what I mean by that is that you see the lines of division. You see the socioeconomic lines, the, the, the racial lines, all these different lines. And if you look at the life of Jesus, he didn't just see the lines. He crossed those lines. He went to the Samaritan woman in John chapter four when nobody else wanted to go, including his disciples. They see Jesus walk through. Hey, Jesus, you hungry? We won't get food. <laughs> <laughs> you, t- you, you, <laughs> yeah, you got that. <laughs> yes, they don't even talk to the lady. Yeah, yeah. They never even acknowledge her. And so Jesus is sitting there all day talking to this woman and, and, and sharing his life with someone who racially they didn't like each other. She's a woman in the middle of the day uh, that people didn't talk. He's, she's not his wife. She's yeah. a. Um, she's had five different husbands, you know, so she's ostracized from society. So he's crossing all these different lines with one person. And that's just one instant in the, instant in the Bible where we see this. Yeah. So if we're a gospel-centered church, then we don't need to recreate the will. We just need to follow what Jesus did. Amen. You know, Amen. you just got to follow what he did. So you, I mean, you know, you can't, the gospel at the heart of it, the gospel is reconciliation. Yeah. Right? Jesus 
reconciles us to the Father by crossing the boundary between heaven and earth and, and, and uniting us to himself so Amen. that we can be reconciled to the Father. So you can't really talk about that if you're not someone who crosses lines. You can't, man. You can't. So if you see the cross where Jesus is nailed to the cross, it's the shape of a T, right? So you have a vertical beam that reconciles us to God. So through Jesus' death on the cross, we're reconciled to God. But that horizontal beam where his hands are nailed to that cross and the blood's dripping from his hands, he's reconciling us to one another through that. And he's exemplifying it on the cross when the thief is sitting there and they have nothing in common. He's like, please remember me. He's like, I'll, I'll see you in paradise. Amen. You know? I'll see you there. That's good. You know, so there, that's, good. That, that's the cross. We're, we're, it's, it's vertical and horizontal. Well, I think so often we, we want to, um, I mean, I, I'm all for, I mean, we have to have clarity about what we mean when we talk about the gospel, mm-hmm. that we're talking about the message of God's salvation in Jesus Christ, what God has done for us. Yeah. But we can't actually share that message if we have divisions. I mean, isn't that what, I mean, you look at the New Testament, how much of the New Testament, especially Paul's letters, yeah. are really dealing with that, right? Yeah. I mean, and the whole the whole story in Galatians about Silas, I mean, about um, Barnabas and yeah. Paul. Yeah. And he says, even Barnabas was led astray. He stopped eating with the Gentiles when the yeah. Jewish guys from, from Jerusalem came and they had different dietary laws and restrictions. I mean, the whole story of the early church is a story of people having to get united oh, yeah. and cross barriers. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's. To me, when you read the Bible, it is very hard to, to unless you're, which I, I, I say it's not hard. I, well, let, me, let me change that. It's, it's, it's easy to read it through your own narrative lens, if that makes sense. Right. So if you read it through your narrative lens, you're going to read into it what you see because of your story. And so for me, it's very important to actually read the Bible and see what it actually says. Yeah. So observe the text. What does it actually say? Not what you think it says. What yep. does it say? And if you read the Bible in its clearest sense, plain as day, you can't, it's hard to skip over all the passages where God, even through the Old Testament, is reaching across lines yep. with folks that are not necessarily Israelites, or even in the New Testament where Paul sent to the Gentiles and where he's confronting Peter. He's doing all these things, Ephesians 4, you see the unity of the body, you see this all throughout that, or even the book of Acts, all the different the times whole, where they're, yeah, the whole book. The, they're crossing lines all over yep. the place. Yeah, you look at the book of Acts, and it's an incredible story. I mean, it's just uh, one of the things I, I sometimes observe is just it's this incredible story of geographic expansion. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you can yeah. look at the story of these people starting out this little tiny sliver of land in the middle of the Middle East, and suddenly uh, at the end of Acts, they're all the way at least to Rome, and Paul may have already been out to Spain. You know what I'm saying? So this Man. incredible uh, traverse of geography. But the, that, that geographical expansion is nothing – Compared to the the cultural bridges that had to be crossed. Totally. I mean, that first Acts two when the the spirit falls, like that's a there's that's a multi ethnic church. It's yeah. a <laughs> it's a yep. it's a mega multi ethnic church too. Yep. You know, the, they're all speaking these native languages and they're from all different types of places. And we felt if we don't really realize what's happening, and we just read over it and don't pay attention to it. But from the beginning. God made us uniquely who we are. He created us in his image, black, white, Asian, Latino, his, alike. And all of them, we're all his sons and daughters made in his image. And he's saying, well, my church needs to be like that. I say, I tell people that, 
in heaven we're gonna get there and we're gonna we're gonna be singing songs in Mandarin Chinese. We're gonna <laughs> sing songs in Spanish. We're yes, gonna sing yes. some black gospel, some Chris Tomlin too. <laughs> and and nobody's gonna be tripping. They're gonna be like, man, I'm I'm here because I love God. Yeah, that's so, it. Yeah, that's it, man. That's what it's all about. I mean, Revelation seven, right? It's a whole, it's yeah. a whole tribe, every tribe, every tongue, every nation. So yeah, you you look at the Book of Acts, you see this radical expansion. You see, you know. Peter gets up on the day of Pentecost and he's speaking to people who ha- all have a Jewish reference point for yes. what he's saying. Yeah. And so there's this shared culture, right? Then Paul goes and all of a sudden you see Paul in, in, um, in the city of Athens when, he's, when he stands up to speak in Acts chapter 17, right? Yeah. And he starts talking. And here Peter can talk about prophecy. He can talk about God. He can talk about sin. He knows everybody's... We all have the same reference points. Yeah, he, can talk about, he can talk about the promise of the Messiah. And he can talk about David. Everybody knows what he's talking about. Paul can't talk that way when he's speaking in, mm. in Athens. He yeah. has to cross bridges. And you see he's willing to do it, right? Yeah. He crosses lines. He quotes their poets. Yeah, yeah, man. He, uh, he, he, talks, he talks with them about their, their worship and where they are. Yeah. Um, but again, the, the epistles, what, what you see right away in Paul's, Paul's letters largely is, is that there, it, this this transition's not an easy transition. Oh, no, no. Acts 15, right? The first big church council is all about two different radically mm-hmm. groups of people asking questions like, what, what are we allowed to eat and not yeah, eat? Yeah. How can we live together yeah. around the dinner table? Yeah. Paul in, in, in 1 Corinthians 10 and yeah. 8 talks about food sacrifice, all these different things. So in other words, the process is part of the gospel proclamation, Man. but it's not easy. So... I can talk about that as a guy who who loves the Bible, yeah, man, who preaches the word. You're living it in yeah. your community in a church that you've 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 planted. What have been the big obstacles that you've come up against, man? Um, well, in Chicago, we we come against there's so many different dynamics. Living in a great, a huge city, a, sure. a awesome big metropolis area. So, um, I think one of the biggest ones. If I'm just blatantly honest, in the last several years has been politics and what's happened with our country and election really? and yeah. and things like that. So you have people and and we we talk candidly about the different issues without taking sides, if that makes sense. So we're because it's it's not about it's not just about politics. It's about um, meeting individuals where they are and what's actually going on with them. So somebody may react to President Trump a different way than somebody else may. And you may be coming from two different sides. So somebody may have a straight political aspect of why they're coming towards or or, or talking about what they believe. And then you have somebody else that's in their emotions because of what he said, which has nothing to do with politics. And so if you're not able to hear somebody or hear underneath their, what they're actually saying or they're feeling, then you'll miss it and you'll argue on two different planes, kind of like you said with marriage. Um, and it's it's that rub a bit that you feel. So you're talking yeah. about two different things. Yeah, you're speaking from two different you're two different two totally different concerns. And so for people to actually cross the line with another individual, you have to be able to hear beneath what they're actually saying to what's going on in their heart and. We tell people you want to you you don't want to just have empathy for somebody, but that empathy needs to turn into compassion because compassion makes you that allows you to seek the betterment of someone else. So it's like I don't want to just feel how you feel for you. I want to feel for you to the point where it's it makes me seek your betterment. And now when I go out of this room and I see another brother, um, one of my white brothers that's taking advantage of or even someone on the other side that whether it be someone that looks like me 
and and eat, treating someone ill because of maybe they they eat differently or they do something different than they do, then now I can have compassion on a different level because I get I don't totally understand it, but I get it enough to be able to stick up for my brother because he loves Jesus and I know what's going on with him. Yeah. So it's it's tough though. It is very tough. Nobody because I would say like it's it goes back to the whole narrative thing. It goes back to what's really like the way you you've been reared. I don't think we we realize the hidden idols within our hearts, mm. whether that be our, our race, our culture, our politics, our religion, period, the way we we're driven. And and so when something happens on social media or President Trump says something and you react a certain way, why did you react that way? You know, it, not that it wasn't wrong, but where did that come from? What did it tap into that made you so upset? Or when that person says something to you that you didn't agree with, what did it where did it hit you first? So how do we examine ourselves first and acknowledge that space before we actually just 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 throw up on someone else or or put all of our feelings on them saying that it was their fault? It's like, well, what's really going on in your heart? It, they may be totally wrong. But why did it get you to a place where you retaliated to to where you were so caught mm. up in your own emotions? Like what's really going on in your heart? And so that's the that's the place with the rub. Like a lot of people, I call it the multi-ethnic rub because we get to this place of discomfort and with one another, whether they mean a multi-ethnic church or multi-ethnic setting. And we have to make a choice there, whether we're going to choose to continue to engage one another, to get to know each other. Or we don't and we leave. We unfriend each other. We unfriend each other. We go the other way. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think that's the gospel at all. Amen. So, well, the gospel, I mean, Jesus gets up in everybody's face. Yeah, man. You know? I mean, that's, that's what's beautiful about the gospel is that if you, if you think you can stand on the high ground and throw stones down, you've misunderstood the gospel. Yeah, man. Um, and at the heart of the gospel is not just that Jesus died for you, but we're called to die to ourselves. Well, it's seeing us as a, our, all ourselves as a sinner. It's yeah. seeing, it's, uh, Andrew Murray has a book called Humility, and it's yeah, just this it's a beautiful book. Yeah, I love it. It's deepest self-abasement, seeing yourself as nothing in a way to in the in the in the midst of an Almighty God. It's Isaiah yeah. in chapter six. It's woe is me. And o- you know, only the gospel really has the power to fix some of this stuff, man. Because you know, you can't. You can't demand compassion from another person. You, you, can't, can't you can't demand love from another person. You can't demand sympathy. You can't demand understanding. You can't demand humility, right? Right, right. right. But what you can do is preach the fear of the Lord. You can Amen. preach what the gospel really says to all of us, yeah. every one of us. And if, if we actually get it, then those things start flowing out of our hearts. Man, it's a beautiful thing when people, when you see people actually get it and care for their brother or like uh, we have an elder at our church. His name is Luke. And... We've had hard conversations. We had to cross lines. He's a white brother. And we had to cross lines with one another and figure out how we navigate that with one another. There's been many tears shed. But I know that brother would die for me if he needed to. Yeah. And we come from totally different sides of the track. But we get each other. And yep. that's my brother. And if someone says something about him, I'm going to stand up for him. And, Man. But we didn't start out that way. It took a lot of pain some hard conversations you got and you got you know but the only way that happens the only way that happens is if you stay committed to each other amen and the reason that i i i firmly believe the only way you can stay committed is if you've got a a, a, um if you've got a basis for commitment that transcends your feelings right i mean that's That's kind of what that's how it is with marriage right that's right i mean 
uh, there are times in your marriage when you're like, I'm, I'm done with this, man. Yeah, man. I, you know, just be, you know, but but you have a covenant that's it, relationship man. that's established not just by your feelings for each other. You have a covenant relationship established by the presence of God oh, and man. vows made in the presence of God. And that's we it. have to take our relationship with each other as brothers and sisters in the church at least that seriously. That's exactly right. The gospel has to compel us. It compels us to cross those lines. It's not just your love for that person. It's it's your love for God that makes you compel that to cross that line with another person. Okay, so last question. I I wish we could just keep going. Come on, man. This is a lot of fun. Last question. How has ministering at Renewal Church given you hope for the church and and, and insight in how church will be the hope of the world? Man, that's that's a good question. I think that... uh, we're living in a different day and age. I think people are, um, they're looking for diversity, if that makes sense, a different church or a different um, narrative than what they were raised in or even what their parents were reared in. So um, in our church, as I said, I stated it earlier, I think people get, they enjoy the fact that there's a multi-ethnic church, um, multicultural church gospel center, but bringing people together. So people aren't even, they're not deterred so much by the preaching of truth. They're really intrigued by it. And so I think that you're seeing in the day and age now, and that's not to get rid of the churches that are homogenous or anything of that nature. They're still needed. You're saying there's an inherent attraction when people see a church that looks... Like heaven. I mean, there's something that God is doing and he's pulling people. So I get encouraged by that because... The, the conversations that need to be had are actually being had, whether it be um, some uh, uh, one of the black guys getting killed by one of the police officers or right. something like right. we're having conversations that we we weren't able to have. And people are empathizing and having compassion more than they used to have. So and that to me, I say this a lot. I think the church has been behind 10 steps, if not more, yep. than what happens in society a lot of times. It's time for the church to actually get out front of that and draw and drive a lot of what's happening. So we need to drive those conversations of what does it look like to to cross racial lines, cross socioeconomic lines, not because we want to, not just to hold up a picket sign, but because the gospel compels us to do that. And so if we're going to do that, how did Jesus do that? And, and in Chicago, one thing that's really been encouraging to me is that people that, that that we preach the gospel every week and people are not they're not deterred by it. they love the fact that you're speaking truth but not in a way that's that's i'm shaming somebody or downing somebody else for where they are because i'm a i'm a sinner saved by grace just like anybody else and i don't want to forget that Amen. because that allows me to preach gracefully but also truthfully mm. to the people that need to hear it whether they're in the church or outside those walls so we can't in order to meet somebody where they're at like you said, we don't cast stones from on high. I was right there with yep. you and still have my own flesh on my <laughs> So even with that. You might like, not see it, yeah, you you might like, not, but hey, it's inside me, I'm man. A mess, you, I'm yeah. a mess just yeah. like you. And yep. so there's a, you see that I, I think the church, is it's turning over new leaf. And we have to in a way where it's not just like, yeah, there's an attractional piece to come to the church. We still do that on Sundays, but... There, there's this piece that people are yearning for truth. They're yearning for um, something new. And so there's, a, there's the, this time for churches to stand up. And I think that we're starting to see trickles of that. Amen. We're starting to see Amen. conversations That's happen that, that need to happen. Yeah. So. 
Amen. Yeah. That, that's beautiful, man. I, what I'm hearing you say is the gospel works. The gospel works, man. <laughs> when you really Without believe it and you really put it in, in practice, it, it does what God says it's going to yeah, do. You don't need to do anything. It doesn't have to be super creative. Like Just meet the people where they are and preach the gospel. Preach Amen. the word. Yeah. Amen. And if it can't happen in the church, it's not going to happen anywhere. Because somebody's going to do it. Yep. And why not the church disciple people? Amen. Well, brother, thank you so much for spending this time together, Derek. It's been man, good, man. It's good, brother. Oh, yeah, I want to encourage my listeners check out what God is doing at Renewal Church in Chicago. Amen. Um, subscribe to their podcast. I'm assuming you guys have a sermon podcast. We do have a podcast. All you right. Just type in Renewal Chicago. Renewal Chicago. Check it out and uh, and pray for this for this friend who is doing so much in the in the inner city. Uh, God bless you, my friend. Amen. Thank you, brother. Well, that was inspiring, wasn't it? It's exciting to hear what God is doing and how the gospel can bring people together. I want to pray that you'll find ways to apply this in your own setting, whether ministry in your family, in your workplace, or at your church. I want to also encourage you, help us get the word out by joining the Organic Outreach Media Squad. All you have to do is send an email to info at organicoutreach.org and let us know that you want to join the team. If you do, we'll send you one of our newly minted Organic Outreach Media Squad mugs. Just imagine how jealous your friends are going to be when they see you sipping your favorite beverage in one of these babies. I think you want to do it. Well, for now, (laughs) this is Adam Barr reminding you, make time to share God's life today.